My guest today is a commercial airline pilot for Southwest Airlines and an independent health coach. Please welcome Marcus Cole. Marcus, long time. Yeah, what's going on, RJ? Hey, not much. I'm doing okay. How about you? How are you doing? I'm great. I'm great, man. I'm on the road here in California, and just glad that you asked me to to participate. Love talking about what I do and and how kind of how I got here. All right, cool, great. Yeah, well, thank you for coming on to the podcast, and let's just jump right into it. Okay. What do you do? Okay, so I am a commercial airline pilot for Southwest Airlines, and I'm also an independent health coach. Okay. Now, how long have you been a pilot? I've been flying and been a pilot for just over 20 years now. To the University of Texas, Austin, uh, there with you. And shortly after graduating, I joined the Navy to become a pilot. I just finished 20 years in the Navy, but I only flew oh. for the first 16 years. The last four years, I, I did like a, a kind of reserve non-flying billet to, to finish my 20 years. But And I've been flying for the airlines for now for coming up on 10 years. Okay. So well, 20 first... years total to answer your question. <laughs> all right. Well, first of all, thank you for your service. Oh, you're welcome, man. I've enjoyed it. Got to see the world and wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. So let's talk about that. So just your start in being a pilot is in, in the Navy. So can you talk about how that happened and how that training was and what led you to become a pilot in the Navy? Sure. So long story short, when I went to college, I went actually to college to be an architect. And you may or may not remember, but my first couple of years, I was probably not around because I was in the studio drawing and doing all those things. And I just got, uh, I realized I got to a point of an internship, which was important to changing my career. I just realized that it wasn't for me. And uh, I went back and asked myself if I could do anything, what would it be when I came to that branch point in my life? And I just remember being a kid and loving seeing airplanes and putting together model airplanes and that kind of thing. But I didn't know any pilots growing up. I'm African-American. I didn't know any, any black pilots. And so it just seemed like a far-fetched dream, but that's what came to my mind. So I went and talked to a recruiter. Navy and Air Force recruiter there in Austin and went down the list of jobs and I saw pilot. And I said, that's what I want to do. And this was like coming up to my senior year at UT, UT Austin there. And the rest, as they say, is history. I took some tests. They had to do, take me some preliminary tests just to kind of see basic math, basic organization, navigation type things. And I did well on those. And after I got my degree there at UT, two months later, I was in Pensacola, Florida, starting aviation ground school. Wow. So flight school was about two years long. I got my wings, learned how to land an uh, airplane, believe it or not, on aircraft carrier in the middle of the ocean. Wow, so yeah. That, that was quite an experience. And then I was off and flew in Operation Iraqi Freedom there in the Gulf and came back to Texas and instructed, flight instructed for three years and then moved back to Dallas, which is where I'm from, and started flying in the reserves and then joined the airlines. Oh, Wow, so, nice. Yeah. Now, now, the flight school, can you talk a little bit about how that works and just your experiences in there? Sure. So it was probably one of the most challenging times in my life, but also mm. one of the most rewarding. I started out in Pensacola, Florida with just kind of like boot camp. Um, you know, they just kind of whipped me in shape as a civilian into kind of military shape uh, physically and mentally. And then Flying in, I'd flown in, in commercial planes as a passenger, but I'd never been in a small plane. So they start you out in a small plane, small aircraft, you're training, 
and it's an adjustment. Uh, it was for me and for most people uh, to your body because you're not used to flying in a small aircraft and you, you kind of experience more of the bumps and there's turbulence and that kind of thing. So I actually got pretty sick my first three flights, which is not uncommon. But after about the third flight, I just kind of got used to it and my body adjusted and the rest was fun after that. But it was intense. It, it was like being in college, but as soon as you learn a concept, you had to go out in the aircraft and apply that concept immediately and show the instructor that you could do it in the plane. It was, it was getting that book knowledge and that training and then applying it in the air. So it was kind of you know, very three-dimensional, very challenging. You had to memorize emergency procedures. You know, if you lost an engine, you had to know immediately what to do. If you had a fire in the aircraft, you had to immediately know what to do. So very intense training, but fun. It was fun. And like I said, that lasted about two years and you had tests every few weeks. And if, if you failed a test, you may get another shot, one shot at it, but you failed it two times and you're probably out. So I saw guys left and guys and girls left and right that got a try out of flight school. Wow. So it was probably about a, anywhere from a 30 to 40% attrition rate. And sometimes it was education part of it. Sometimes it was, they couldn't apply it in aircraft. Sometimes it was a physiological thing. You know, there was one person who, they used station tubes in their ears just couldn't clear when they got in the plane, you know, some medical, medical issues. So, but I was very proud and relieved when I got those wings. <laughs> and then landing on aircraft carrier was a whole nother, uh, I was like uh, taking it to another level. So, yeah. So those three moments, I want to see if you can talk about that one, the first time that you flew by yourself and what that felt like. The second moment is that first time you landed on the aircraft carrier. Cause that's something like, I know when I was a kid, I loved, the Navy, I love like the F-14, I don't know if they still have them, the, the F-14A Tomcats and then seeing them yeah, land yeah. on the uh, on the aircraft carriers, that was just so cool, but my, my vision wasn't the best. So. Yeah, uh, right. And then third is just getting those wings. Like, can you go through those experiences and just how you felt? Yeah, so my first training was actually in, uh, so I trained in Pensacola and I went to Oklahoma. I actually did a joint program with the Air Force. I went to Corpus Christi, and then I went to Meridian, Mississippi to get my wings. So a long journey to flying different aircraft at each stop. So my first stop was in Oklahoma, and I was flying, it's, it's called the T-37 Tweet. It's a little twin-engine jet. I think they've since re- replaced it, so I'm getting up there in age now. But <laughs> So the first question about the solo flying, as I drove up to the base for that first time, it was a, a rude awakening for me. There had just been an accident two weeks prior. And so I asked one of the instructors what had happened there. And it was one of the students on his first solo had crashed. And so at that moment, I was like, man, what if, you know, am I in the right place? What am I doing here? But it was just reinforced to me that aviation is fun, but it's unforgiving. If you make a mistake or some things, it's, it's, you know, you can't come back from, but not to go too far down that road. But my first solo was there in Oklahoma and it was like nothing I ever felt because you, you train, they, you do it fairly quick. It was probably within the first month. So I probably only had about maybe 50 hours under my belt of flying time. And then they cut you loose. They, you know, they, once they are confident that you can apply everything that you need to do, you go up and you, you do your own solo flight and obviously did it successfully and, and had fun and just instills that confidence in you. They want you to get that done early on. So, you, you know, you know, you can fly, you're confident in your skills. So that was great. And then the first time I landed on an aircraft carrier, that was another level. And same thing, you're solo. So the the instructors are smart enough to know that first time you land on a carrier, they don't want anybody in there with you. You do it by yourself. So you do hours and hours of training. 
We have what we call a carrier landing box painted on the runway at the airports where we practice that on the Navy bases. And so you probably do it a thousand times before you actually go to the ship. So by the time you get there, it's actually almost muscle memory, but still you're out in the middle of the ocean and you're flying above and getting ready to go and land. And it actually looks like a little, say a little stamp. It looks looks like you're thinking to yourself, I'm about to land on that. But the instructor kind of leads you in and you follow him in for the first time. And you drop your hook, the hook comes off the bottom of the aircraft and it catches the wire. Wow. And, uh, you know, the first time it hit me, when you land, they immediately sideline you so you can get fuel in the aircraft so you can go back up and, and start doing some more. But as I landed the first time, like all kind of muscle memory and, and I was excited. And then kind of when they sideline me to get gas, now I'm sitting there looking at my peers who are coming in and you know, we're all on the same radio frequency. So we can hear some of the like screaming power calls and, and different instructions that are being given out and, and watching. And that's kind of when it hit me when I was sitting there after I had made my first landing, like, man, what did I just do? And how excited <laughs> it was, and, you, know, you know, how many people ever get the chance to do something like this? So, so that was that. And then, well, I forget what was the third. I guess it's just finishing up and getting your wings finishing. Up. Oh yeah. And getting my wings. Yeah. So that was, I think that was more, I was proud, but I think that was more of a moment for my family. Mm. Uh, my mom, uh, my dad, some a lot of family came out. It was there in Meridian, Mississippi, where I got winged. And getting winged after almost two years of training, you know, it's just it's not many. Like I said, I, I didn't know any pilots growing up. So it was something new for my family. And I think just being Black, there's not many Black pilots. And so I think it was kind of paving a new, a new road, a different road for a lot of us in my family. And just hoping to be an inspiration for others who had that same desire. Right. No, definitely. 100%. All right. And now with the class that you're in, the flight school, is there a special bond that you have with others that are in the class with you? Definitely. Yeah. I still stay in touch with a lot of those guys that we went to flight school together and a few of the, uh, a few of the girls too. And kind of like being a close brotherhood in college, but uh, because we were living together, we were studying together, we we're flying together and you know, helping each other out. And a lot of us are flying to airlines now. It's kind of like the next step for most pilots is go to the commercial airline. So I fly with a lot of the guys at my company, and I know some of them at uh, other different companies. And we stay in touch. You know, some of us have become close friends and, and do family you know, things together, too. So, yeah, it's, it's a unique bond, especially uh, carrier aviation pilots. Yeah. Yeah. Are you able to talk about any experiences that you've had in the Navy flying? Sure. Good, bad, ugly, what? Yeah, the bad, ugly, the whole nine, yeah. All, <laughs> all right, start with just some of the cool places I've gotten to go that I never would have otherwise. I've been to Singapore, I've been to Thailand, I've been to Papua New Guinea, Japan, Australia, Hong Kong, Turkey, Afghanistan, Kuwait, Bahrain, Saudi Arabia, Yemen. I mean, all over, wow. all over the world, lots of different countries. So that's just been an awesome experience, just seeing the world and. The world's beautiful, but I'd rather be no other place than here in America. You know, it just kind of gives me appreciation, even with everything that's going on. You know, we still have a great country, but there's a lot of cool places around the world. So getting that experience to see the world, you know, as a pilot has been cool. Got to follow the pyramids in Egypt, you know, that kind of thing. So Hawaii, Guam, all that stuff. So naval aviation, I've lost some friends. So one particular incident, uh, we're off the coast of Japan. And we have a duty where if you're not flying, sometimes you go to the, the tower where we're just watching the other planes come in. And uh, I stood duty um, two days earlier with this pilot 
We didn't know each other well, but that period of time we were in duty together, so we got to talk. And two days later, his plane uh, crashed into the side of a, a mountain there off the side of uh, off an island, the coast of Japan. And I got to fly the, we call it SAR, search and rescue, you know, to see if, you know, there were any survivors and that type of deal right after it happened. And so, you know, that was some a sobering experience and, you know, felt bad, but um, got grateful for the chance to get to know him a little bit before that happened. So there's stories like that. This is a cool story. So usually a duty on a deployment is six months. Um, this particular case, I was at the five-month mark, and I was getting ready to come back home. And, uh, the whole five months, there was no uh, no incidents. Everything had gone pretty smoothly, and we were in the Gulf of uh, the Persian Gulf. And when the plane I flew, it was called the E-2. It's an airborne early warning aircraft. So we were the first to launch and the last to land. We were kind of like the eyes of the sky. So we would talk to the other aircraft. We talked to ships. We talked to the ground crew, and we kind of just coordinated, helped coordinate two pilots up front and then three radar operators in the back of the aircraft. And uh, so we would kind of go and fly over Iraq and then we'd come back and land in the, in the Gulf on the aircraft carrier. So this night, I was supposed to go back home the next night. So this would be my last night flying. And so everything had gone smoothly up until this point and we're getting ready to come in and land. And there's a Hornet, F-18 Hornet ahead of us and the pilot lost one of her engines. There's two engine aircraft. She lost one of the engines, which is not a big deal. You can still land and fly perfectly fine on one engine, but she, the aircraft here had to speed up to get more wind over the deck for her to come into land. And she has a higher approach speed because of being single engine. And so we were the only aircraft for the ship that didn't, we didn't have any airborne refueling capability. So whatever gas we had, we took off. That's what you had. You had to keep your eye on it so you would have enough gas to come back to land. So whenever we come back to land, we'd have two we call it, uh, two approaches to landing. And if we couldn't get aboard in those two landings, then we'd have to divert to Kuwait to an Air Force base there. So this single engine aircraft in front of us, they told us to hold out because they want to get her on the ship first. So they got her in and we were a, a turbo prop plane. So we're much slower. And so when we came in the land, they waved us off. They said, oh, we still have too much wind over the deck to, for you guys to land. So we need you guys to go around and try it again. So now we're down to one, one more landing until we have to divert. So we come back in for a second try. And this time the ship has slowed down too much. And so we got waved off again. As soon as we, we uh, rotated to, to take off, uh, we got two low fuel lights on our, for our engine. So, which means we, we had to divert. So we diverted into the Air Force base there in Kuwait. And, and so, like I said, everything had gone smoothly up until this point. So I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to go home tomorrow. So now all this is happening. So I ended up spending night in Kuwait uh, on the base. I ended up getting onto that flight to get back home. But it was just, you know, that's how things, you know, everything's smooth. And then all of a sudden, you know, things could go awry in a matter of minutes. So, uh, but it was fun. Got to, you know, like I said, make a lot of friends and see a lot of cool places. But that, you know, there's a couple stories there. Yeah, nice. All right. <laughs> Yeah. And now, so, okay, so you're landing jets on aircraft carriers and landing in bases mm -hmm. in places like Kuwait. And now yeah. going from that to now you're a, a commercial pilot. Now, how's that transition? Mm -hmm. How's that transition for you? Um, it's very different. So when I finished doing those deployments, I was still single and I got back to the States and I started flight instructing and I kind of got to a decision point where I'm kind of about 10 years in the military and you have to decide whether you want to make this a you know, career 
possibly go back out to sea and keep doing this like three-year rotation or go to the civilian route and maybe the reserves. And I was turning 30 and I was getting, was ready to be, you know, have a family and go down that route. And so that kind of helped my decision. I, I knew it was hard to, and I saw it firsthand, it was hard to have a family and be gone for six months at a time. You know, it was just, I didn't see that as a healthy way to start a family or, you know, it's very hard. So I didn't want to do that. Uh, I hadn't met my wife yet, but I just knew that that was a big part of my decision to uh, get out of active duty, go to the reserves and start applying for the commercial airlines. So uh, being from Texas, I'm from Dallas originally and Southwest Airlines. They had a base in Dallas and Houston and they kind of formed in, in uh, Texas. And I had a lot of buddies that had gotten out and were flying for them. So I knew they were kind of one on my list. And then a couple of the other carriers. So I applied for, uh, this is now 2008 and I'm applying for airlines. Well, if you remember 2008, but that was a big economic downturn. So no one was hired. So I had my applications in, but I got a job flying reserve plane in the Navy in Dallas. In Fort and so I started that. And then when I got hired, it was 2011. But the biggest transition was just now I go from, you know, being gone two, three weeks at a time or six months at a time to now my schedule, I'm gone maybe three days a week, sometimes four days a week, more downtime, more time, to, you know, with the families. And, you know, you, you find when you find military, find the military, you took more risk. This is the biggest difference now as an airline pilot, you're uh, carrying passengers, obviously, it's a, lot, it's a lot safer. We're doing things strictly by the book. There's a lot of uh, redundancy in our aircraft system. So uh, there's a lot of things that we'll cancel a flight for. Or we'll go get maintenance to come out to look for in a, in a commercial flight that we would have in the military. You might just say, oh, just go. You can we'll fix it when we get back, you know. And the schedule's a lot different. You know, I'm not gone six months at a time. I'm gone maybe four days a week, sometimes less. So more suitable for a family and you know, being home and spending time with the family. And we just pretty much fly uh, domestically. Uh, there's a few international flights here and there, so uh, a lot shorter flip, uh, trips. Okay. And then when you're flying, how many hours of flight time do you have a day, approximately? So it depends. I may have a day. Uh, average day is probably three, three flights. So I may go from Houston to Phoenix to LA and then one more to San Francisco and spend the night. Okay. Um, so you know, we have cap, we have, can't fly more than like 10 hours in a day. Uh, we have to get like 10 or 12 hours of rest, you know, so there's some rules set in place for us. In the past, there were days where I flew up to like maybe five or six times, but now, now it's kind of back down to about a two to three average a day for about a, for about an eight hour day, eight to 10 hour day. All right. And now, uh- Talking about that, can you talk about what a typical day looks like for you now? Yeah, sure. So we'll take today. So I'm, I'm currently in Burbank, California. I flew in last night. I got in about 10 p.m. Usually, you know, it depends. Uh, we have an a.m. schedule and p.m. schedule. So I'm on a p.m. schedule right now. So uh, I left home at uh, 2 p.m. yesterday, uh, drove to the airport for like a 4 o'clock start. And I flew from Houston to Phoenix. Um, you know, it's about a two and a half, three hour flight. And then we had an hour on the ground there in the airport. We switched airplanes and then we flew from Phoenix to uh, Burbank, California. Got in about 10 p.m. last night. I got in uh, just just to time to get some rest. And then I woke up and uh, typically I'd wake up and I'd go for a run or work out, get some breakfast. And then here when we're done, I'm uh, in about an hour. 
I'll get ready and I'll fly. Today I have actually four flights. So I'll head to the airport about one o'clock and then uh, we'll fly up and down the coast of California. So I'll go Burbank to San Jose, San Jose to Ontario, Ontario to Sacramento, Sacramento to San Diego and spend the night. So that's it. Pretty much you're living in hotels. You just have enough time to get some sleep and, and get something to eat and maybe a few hours to relax. And it's about a three three day trip usually, you know, sometimes four days. And what I found, and you know, I've been doing this for 10 years now, is it's easy to take your health for granted while you're doing that because you're eating out of airports and eating in hotels. And so it's easy to make quick, unhealthy choices. So um, that kind of led me to my first few years of realizing that I needed to improve my health. And so that's, that's been uh, helping me here lately in these last few years uh, being on the road. Right, right. No, definitely. I could see that. And now being a pilot, can you talk about some of the skills and characteristics that you think are most important to be successful in your line of field? So I think the most important thing is just having a good work ethic and not giving up. It was, wasn't a straight line for me. I actually disqualified my first time landing at the aircraft carrier. They graded your every landing, your every flight. And I could have thrown my hands up and said, oh, well, I guess I wasn't cut out to be a pilot, but they gave me another shot and I passed next time. So I think just being willing to, to open, to learn and, and having a good work ethic. And that goes across the board with anything and, and being open-minded to learning new stuff. You know, I, I talked to a lot of people who are said they would be afraid to try to fly or afraid to even go up in a small plane. And, you know, I said, well, I've done a lot of things despite of my fears or just because I hadn't done it before, but so I think having that open mind to, to learn something new and different and here in the airlines and just in flying, you know, it's just going up and preparing, having that preparation for the flight way back in flight school, just showing up to the flight with the instructor and letting them know that you've studied and that you know what you're going to do that day. Uh, even if you've never done it, you can at least uh, have the knowledge of what you're going to do and study. So, and then, you know, here in the airlines, it's just, it's really a, um, a customer service thing, you know, now it's like, I know how to, you know, I, pro I probably have over 10,000 hours flying this plane now. So flying the plane part is easy. Now it's just getting these customers back with COVID and letting them know that it's fine. It's, it's, it's safe, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No. So now can you talk about what you love about what you do? So I just, I love flying, you know, since the day, the first day I did it, you know, um, just being up in airman, it's nothing like it, just going to different places. And then, you know, I had a choice between flying commercially for the airlines or flying for like some of the cargo carriers and I ultimately chose flying people, you know, because you get to meet so many different people every day and I see little kids and I, I have them come up in the cockpit and take pictures and, you know, some of them don't, don't believe that they can be a pilot and, or they don't, they've never met a pilot or so that gives me some joy just seeing kids and meeting different people and traveling. I just... And being in control of that aircraft, man, it's just, uh, I've enjoyed it since the first time I ever did it. And it's it's different. The one thing I, I will say is sometimes it's hard because I do miss some things with the family and the kids. But I've gotten to, the more I've gone in the profession, I realize you get more, everything's seniority based. So as I'm getting seniority, I'm able to kind of flex my schedule to, to make those important things with the family. But it's afforded us some good flexibility as far as now I can kind of move my schedule around and get blocks, big blocks of time off or 
you know, that kind of thing. But yeah, I love flying and I love the options it's given to our family. All right. And I'm guessing that you see people who look like you that come onto your plane and see you and are surprised and also inspired seeing you flying the plane, being a pilot. Yes. So if that's true, like, how does that make you feel when you see that, when it happens? Oh, it's great. Uh, you know, like I said, I didn't know any pilots growing up. So see little kids, you know, looking up to me. And, and I think in that instant, it shows them that, hey, I can do this too. Or And I've seen both sides of the coin, like, surprise on an adult's face when they see you know who their pilot is hey you know i try to be above the line and, and keep everything positive so i just think we need more more black pilots out there and so i, I like I like talking about it i like talking to kids about it we have a program at our company where we can go talk to uh, fourth graders about it but yeah that i wouldn't have that as a kid and i wish i, I had known someone like that so it gives me joy and, and i know um, i know i'm in the right place and it gives me joy to to be able to talk to kids about it, especially young young people that, that are looking to get into aviation. Yeah, no, that's great. You're talking to these fourth graders and young kids about it and just giving them that awareness of what they can do and exposure yeah. to it. So now what about on the flip side, what type of challenges or obstacles are there for you? I know one you mentioned is just the time away from your family. Yeah, it's a, a atypical career in that sense. I'm not, it's not a Monday through Friday. I'm not home every night. It can be a challenge on my wife because we have our kids are eight, six, and four. So you know, three, four days out of the week, she's, for lack of a better word, she's a, you know, she's a single parent for half the time, basically, she's by herself. But that's one of the reasons we moved to Houston. She'd be close to her family. So we have a good support network. You know, I think if you're in this field, you definitely want to have some family or close friends, you know, that network, you know, good neighbors, good neighbors, you know, since you're gone you know, a lot. But on the good side is when I'm, you know what, when I'm home, I'm home. When the parking brake is set and we come in from a, a trip, I don't bring work home with me. I don't have to do any homework. I have to study for the next flight or the next case or what they have you. So when I come home for those three, four, five, sometimes I'll have a seven-day stretch off. I'm totally focused on the family and whatever I need to get done at home. So I like that about the career. Mm -hmm. So I have friends that are lawyers and they work 70 hours in the, in the uh, office and then they work another 30 or 40 at home. So they're not at home, but they're not really home. So that part of it, I do like. And when I talk to my family about it and we, we're trying to do, the way we make it work is we just look at the schedule and we find out what's important and what I need to definitely be home for. And I kind of, I like the flexibility that I have to kind of mold my schedule based on that. Cause we, we bid for our schedule a month out. So, you know, I'll be bidding here for my December schedule in a few couple weeks. And so that helps that I can kind of forecast when I'll be home and we can move things around. And one thing I like about the company I am at, and a lot of commercial airlines do this, we can trade with other pilots trips, or we can trade with a company uh, we call it trip trade giveaway. So there's some flexibility there, even up to the last minute if something pops up. But yeah, definitely, you know, it's it's different not being home every night. But at the same time, a couple of days away gives kids your school, gives mama time to do her, get her own thing, get her things done she needs to get done. And, you know, I get, get time to uh, go for a run, do some things that I want to do besides watching Disney and Marvel at home with my kids. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and that's huge when you're home, just being present, because it's a lot yes. with other professions, that's 
No, that's an issue at your home, like yeah. you said, but you're, it's like you're not home. You're not present. No, that's huge. Okay. Yeah. Now, uh, I know we mentioned some some moments before, some memorable moments that you've had. Do any memorable moments stick out to you over your career? Let's see. I think just it's a big deal just to get hired at, at the airline. So I think when I just first got hired and they bring your spouse in, you know, have my wife come in and uh, Dallas there and they do a big, you know, big party and stuff. So that was just, that was just one of the big moments, I think, for me. One moment I'm looking forward to is in the airlines, the right seater is usually called the first officer. So I'm a first officer. And then the left seat is usually called captain. And there is no difference in skill between the, the left and the right seat. It's pretty much a data hire. So you're just waiting for guys to retire, you know, some of them pass away or move on. So, you know, or the company to grow, you know, new cities need to hire more pilots for you to go from the right seat to the left seat. And I'm very close to that milestone. So I think that will be big because, well, one, it's, it's pretty, it's a good pay jump. And then two, just you're now responsible both pilots are responsible for the aircraft safe flight, but the captain is ultimately responsible and has to sign for the plane. So um, I was a captain in, in the military, obviously, aircraft commander, they called it. But I'm um, looking forward to that moment in the airlines of uh, being a captain. And uh, it's slowed down now because of COVID and the aircraft availability, that kind of thing. But I think with the next year, I should upgrade to captain. So that's a moment I'm looking forward to. Great. Great, man. Well, hey, Marcus, we're at the end of the interview. I want to go to this quick hitter session where I ask you some questions for fun for people to get to know you a little bit better. But before we get there, though, a couple things. One, I wanted to see if you want to talk a little bit about, I believe you said it was the independent health trainer company that you have and yeah. how people can find out more yeah, about so, it. Sure. So being in the airlines, one thing, it can be a sedentary career because you're, you're basically sitting there and driving the plane, you know, from place to place. And so over the first few years in the airlines, I, I gained about 15, 20 pounds, and I probably already had 15, 20 pounds to lose. So I would come home, and I'd be tired, and I don't have energy to, to play with the kids and energy to go to my wife. And so about three years ago, we found a, a program and became independent health coaches, and I lost 40 pounds in about three months on this uh, program. We loved it so much, we decided to become health coaches, and my wife was a dental hygienist, and we had our third kid we wanted her to come home so this was a way for us to get healthy and we started helping get healthy and helping other coaches start their own business to help others get healthy so we've been doing that for three years and it's helped me in airlines because a big thing is expense for buying your meals and trying to find healthy options so our program is nutrition based and so it's basically a portion control meal replacements so I bring them down when I go on the road and uh, they help me um, maintain my weight and they give me better options than, you know, getting the fast food and getting the, the quick, expensive, non-healthy options that are sometimes in the airlines and the hotels. So I've been doing that for three years. My wife does it full time at home and I kind of go on the road and I've helped other pilots and, and flight attendants either uh, get to a healthy BMI, healthy weight, uh, or maintain, give them options to uh healthy options to maintain their, their current weight. So that's been good. Um, yeah, you can just find me on Facebook, myself, Marcus L. Cole, and we talk about our business there and you can contact me there for information. But yeah, that's that's been huge because 
now when I I'm not as tired and, and I have energy and I started running. And so what I've realized as I got older, now I'm in my mid forties is in any profession, you know, being healthy, having a healthy you is going to help you in your profession is going to help you in your marriage and your family. And that's been the biggest deal for me is, is getting healthy and, and maintaining that even through these times. So um, that that's become an important part of my life. That's great. No, 100% right. I'm glad. I'm glad you're on that path. All right. So yeah. let's, yeah. Yep. So let's head to this quick hitter session. So sure, let's do it. First question. What's your favorite sports team? Dallas Cowboys. Hate to say it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to leave it at that. I could say stuff, but I'm going to leave it at that. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> favorite, favorite movie or show? Favorite movie or show? Um, that's so many. I'll say my my favorite movie would be. I'll just go with Gladiator. Oh yeah, good one. All right. Favorite musical artist or group? I'll go with Brian McKnight. All right. Favorite vacation spot? Artist. Hmm. Say, uh, say California. All right. And California, Southern California. All right. So Cal and favorite Mm -hmm. food or drink. Favorite food will be pizza and favorite drink be Tito's. Yeah. Yeah. Texas. All right. (laughs) All right. Well, Hey Marcus, this has been great. Once again, thanks so much for your service. 20 years of service, that's awesome, in the Navy. And then on top of that, over 20 years flying, over 10 years flying for the airlines. Mm-hmm. Just congrats on all your achievements and good luck on being a, a captain. I know that will come soon. And just keep doing what you're doing, man. Thanks. thanks a lot. And thank you for coming on to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for inviting me, RJ. It's good, good catching up with you. Yeah. and Feel free to share my information if there's anybody out there that's interested in aviation to find out more or just, you know, want to hear more about my experiences. Yep, definitely. That was going to say, uh, can you and, uh, and give your contact information it, again yeah. for those? Yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah, so you can find me on Facebook, Marcus L. Cole, or Instagram, the same, Marcus L. Cole, and look me up and just reach out, private digital, and uh, we can get in contact that way. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, Marcus. Okay. Thanks, RJ. All right. Have a good one. Thank you, everyone. If you have any comments or questions or would like to be on the podcast, please reach out to me on Instagram at Rodolfo Cooper. Thank you. Bye.